Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope this message is a blessing to you and helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's Pastor Brandon with this message. And that's where we're going to be here in the book of Genesis, where we're at in Abraham's life, and we're now going to jump right into Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm going to take about three parts to it. Um, because it takes a lot to unpack everything. I don't want to just brush over it because what I I have discovered and you probably have discovered is the issue of Sodom and Gomorrah was to one, uh, sorry, five cities, um, the five cities of the plain. And, And what we're noticing is that's a foreshadow of what will happen globally. And right now, the Sodom and Gomorrah phenomenon is happening at a global rate. It's not just in America. Even though we're the biggest exporter of sin on the planet, um, it's all over the world. And, um, and what we see from Sodom is a foreshadowing of the end. And Jesus noted this, and he said, not only would it be like the days of Noah, but it would be like the days of Lot. And so Jesus connected it to Noah's day and Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, the same language in the Hebrew, the, the wording for Noah's flood and Sodom and Gomorrah, its destruction, is similar. It uses the same terms. And I'll connect those dots when we, when we get to those passages because apparently the events of the Noah's flood, um, similar things were happening in Sodom and Gomorrah and the similar thing that Jude connects it with is strange flesh. Sex with strange flesh. In Genesis 6, it was fallen angels having sex with women and creating Nephilim. In Sodom and Gomorrah, it was homosexual relationships and probably included lesbian relationships as well. Jude terms that going after strange flesh, going that which is unnatural to the creature whether it's an angel or whether that's a human being. And so the two are interrelated. The flood and the Sodom and Gomorrah story actually overlap. And and the the raining down, you have the rain in Noah's flood, and then you'll have the raining down of fire and brimstone, and the idea of a raining down of judgment comes down. Okay, so I'll make those connections as we go. But what I want you to focus on on two things. First, the society of Sodom and Gomorrah as compared to us today. Okay, And then I want you to look at Lot and his reaction and his dealing with things in Sodom and Gomorrah as an application to believers. Because Lot is a believer who's in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah. But he represents a certain type of believer. Something that we want to actually avoid being like. Um, He's a believer that actually tolerates Sodom and Gomorrah. He knows it's wrong, but he tolerates it for certain reasons, and I'll get into that in just a bit. He represents Laodicea living in Sodom and Gomorrah. He does not represent a remnant believer because the remnant believer in the story is Abraham. He's the Philadelphia element. He actually stays out of the city and lives in the tent, whereas Lot goes right in and lives in Sodom and Gomorrah and accepts their way of life, even though he knows it's wrong. That is the Laodicean Christian element around the world, which is tolerating a lot of what Sodom and Gomorrah does. And so you'll see that element. So there's a lot there to unpack. So I I have to break this up into actually three sermons. 
because it, there's so much there. But I think after, after we're all done, you're going to realize that if something doesn't stop what's going on in America and Western civilization, you're doomed for judgment. There's no other way because we're now moving, we're, we're way past gay marriage. You understand that, way past that. We're into now transgender, transvestites, and then we're moving into pedophilia, okay? So, and it's being encouraged by entities around the world. And I'll show you these entities. What you have to realize is this is an agenda not coming from a gay person, okay? Because even some of the gay people do not approve of the grooming and do not approve of them doing this to children and the transvestitisms and stuff like that. What I will show you is this agenda is coming from a higher source, and it's being made to portray that it's coming from San Francisco. But it's not. This is way bigger than what you can imagine. Way larger than what you can imagine. And who's pushing this on our children? And when you look at this, you will realize, oh my goodness, if something doesn't stop, judgment is coming. So we're going to be in Genesis 19. And um, the title is Sodom and Gomorrah, When There Is No Way Back for a Society. And I think that's where America is on the brink of there's no way back. When you start crossing certain lines morally, you just don't come back from it. And all you can expect is judgment. So we're going to explore that. Now, here's the contrast between Abraham and Lot. And that's what the story is trying to set up, Okay. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom, okay? But the men of Sodom were exceedingly uh, meod, wicked, ra'im, again, related to Genesis 6, by the way, the flood story and Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? And sinful, hataim, against the Lord. So, um, what they were actually doing was not just sin against other human beings, even though that was occurring, but there was a vertical sin against the, uh, the, the creator. They were going against creation. Are we going against creation? Yes. We have 52 genders now all of a sudden, right? We're going against the creator. So when you sin, there's two elements. You can sin horizontally, but then you can also sin against God. And when you sin against God, going against the creation order, you're on a whole nother level. Because now you're tampering with his creation. When we're messing with DNA, right, with CRISPR and all kinds of weird stuff, and, and the, the concept of making designer humans, humans 2.0, humans that are uh, transhuman, okay, we're going beyond human ability. When you're messing with that stuff, you're getting into creation, and when you get into creation issues, you're sinning against the creator of how he made human beings, right? And so there's a lot here going on. But notice that um, Abraham keeps separate, and that's the idea. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so you have to keep that in mindset that Lot is a worldly believer. He's a carnal believer. He's a, a Laodicean believer. He's right in there with them, even though he disapproves of it. Okay, 
the five cities of the plain have a commonality about all of them. And I want you, again, I'm setting the stage for the story. What Ezekiel mentions, he gives a commentary on Sodom and Gomorrah and basically the five cities of the plain, which includes Zeboim, uh, Adma, Gomorrah, Sodom, and Zoar. Zoar is spared because Lot goes, wants to go in there once the destruction happens. Okay? Here's what Ezekiel notes, that they're full of arrogancy and pride. They have an abundance of food, which means they're affluent. Okay? They have abundance of leisure time, which is another marker of affluence and being rich. Okay? They have greed and they lack charity to the disadvantaged, widows, orphans, poor, the needy. Now, don't get me wrong. This is, not ta- this is not a push for social justice. That's Marxism. This is a push from the elite taking advantage of the poor, taking away their money and letting it pile up on the top, okay? Which is what they're doing now, eliminating the middle class. And like I, we were just in Mexico right now, and I can tell you what Mexico's like. There's an elite group that has the, the, the corruption, the cartels, and everyone else has the money up on top. And then everyone else is poor, there is no middle class in Mexico per se. And that's what they're trying to do to America is eliminate the middle class, make everyone poor on the same Marxist level, and then the elites have all the money, which is predicted in scripture, by the way, for the whole world. Okay? And then they committed the abomination of sodomy. And, and unlike what Matthew Vine says and says, well, the, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, the number one sin was uh, lack of hospitality. Whoa, Matthew Vines, you couldn't be further from the truth, lack of hospitality, because Matthew Vines trying to say it wasn't the sin of sodomy. I think I'm going to listen to the commentary from Jude rather than Matthew Vines. And Jude relates that the, the big ticket item was strange flesh. Okay? And he relates it to Genesis 6, too. As the angels came and left their estate and went after strange flesh, as did the sodomites. So, so Jude's comment tells you how to interpret the big ticket item, okay? I, I'm not going to go any further than what Jude says. There are other sins accompanying the, the sodomites. There's no doubt about that. Because when you unravel that, you have a Romans 1 issue, and you have all hosts of sins happening. And I'll show you that along, along the way. But the primary marker is strange flesh. Strange flesh. Okay. Let's start with the story, and I'm going to unpack it very slowly. Now, the two angels came. Now, what, you'll, what I'll notice, what, what I'm going to point out to you as we go through the stories, I'm going to note the Hebrew in this. And here's the thing. The Hebrew, there are double entendres all over this passage. And double entendres mean a word is being used, but it has a double meaning. Which means, okay, the two angels came, but actually... The, the word there is a double entendre, bow, which means to have sexual intercourse in other contexts. So the, uh, uh, as Moses is writing Genesis and he writes the story, he is actually doing a word play all through the story to show you the sexual content of Sodom and Gomorrah, that it's went awry. So you, even the Hebrew... The Hebrew is trying to tell you that this is a sexual problem in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's nothing, I mean, there's other things, but this is the primary issue, okay? So the two angels came. Notice, remember, the last scene is the Lord and two angels were with Abraham, okay? 
I remember the whole dialogue between Abraham and the Lord. Will you destroy Sodom for 50? No. And he gets down to 10, basically Lot's family. And he goes, no, I I will not destroy it for 10. And we talked about him removing them as a picture of the rapture. And then destruction comes upon them. Okay, so the last scene we had was the Lord and two angels, so three. But notice the Lord is missing here. It's just the two angels. Do you know why? Moses is trying to communicate that God is not going to enter the city because he can't even have fellowship with Lot. Lot is a believer. But notice the Lord appears before Abraham and he sits down and has a meal with Abraham to signify that Abraham is in fellowship with him. Okay, Remember, fellowship and salvation are different subjects. So when, he, when the two angels go, the Lord's not there because he can't even have fellowship with Lot, even though Lot's a believer. Because Lot is steeped in Sodom. He is, what in 1 John, he walks in darkness. Okay? Can a believer walk in darkness? Yes, of course, Lot is. Lot's a believer, and he walks in darkness. So the Lord will not have his presence there because he's not in fellowship with Lot. And neither, basically, of anyone in Lot's family is in fellowship with the Lord, by the way. What do you expect when you decide to raise a family in Sodom and Gomorrah? Are they going to be God lovers? Or are they going to be like more like the Sodomites? Well, you'll see. And they came to Sodom in the evening. Again, another clue by Moses. In the evening, God appeared before Abraham during the day. Notice the contrast, day and then night. Night, darkness, represents judgment. So the angels appear at night to say it's going to be judged. It's an impending judgment. And Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now what's the big deal about that? Well, the fact of the matter is when you know the ancient world and you understand how the gates were situated around the city, That is where the city council was. That's where the elders were. That's where all the decisions were made for the city. That's where the mayor was and and all the politicians, so to speak, who ran the city, they met at the gate. When you see Lot at the gate, it means that he is on the city council, so to speak. He is now in a position of power and authority in Sodom. Okay? Okay? Well, here's, what, here's, here's my clue. You're, something happened with Lot. Because let's say you want to go into politics. Okay? First of all, you're going to have to be a liar. Uh, that's number one. Okay? And you're going to have to be a compromiser, right? You're going to have to just compromise the truth. There's no way, there's no way you and I can go run for, for some type of position and maintain our Christianity. You just can't. That's just the way that the politician works uh, the world works like that, at the, especially at the higher levels, not the local level, but the higher levels, right? So there's no doubt Lot had to compromise his way to that position. You just don't get being the mayor of, of Sodom and Gomorrah or on the city council without some type of spiritual compromise. And we already know what the compromise is. He looks the other way towards the sin of Sodom and basically approves of it and, and accepts it even though he disagrees with it. And that's how a lot of politicians are. Today, these crazy politicians, like Joe Biden, as you'll see, supports this transgender, transvestite movement, okay? So he has them on the, the, the White House lawn. I really don't think he believes it. I just think that's part of the agenda that he has to accept. 
and so then, then he has some, some transvestite go and flash himself, which is like, that's weird. Okay, it's a guy, but it's not a girl, on the White House lawn. This is the place that Abraham Lincoln was at. You understand that? It's, the White House has been totally desecrated, right? And, and, and a lot of these politicians don't believe in it, but they go along with it because it's coming down from the top. They're being told to do this, to support this. So anyway, he compromises way up there. And I want you to see the downward progression of Lot. And here's the thing. It's not an accident he ends up being the mayor of Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at the progression that scripture shows you. First, he saw Sodom and Gomorrah. He desired it and wanted it. Why? Because it was well-watered plains. It was a place where you can make a lot of money. Okay? And rather than staying out with Abraham in the tents and living that life that he already had was comfortable, he decided to have more. I want more. And that's a sign of a worldly believer. So then he then chooses to live in the plain of Jordan. So he moves away from Abraham and gets out there. Maybe starts trading with them. And then he moves near Sodom. Then Lot lives in Sodom when Abraham has to rescue him. And then in this passage, he's on the city council. You see the progression? Moses is trying to show you that it doesn't happen overnight. It's slowly but surely of compromising, 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 and you end up out here as a believer. And I will tell you this. They want you to compromise right now on this issue. This is the big ticket item. I sat down uh, in Mexico at, at dinner I was talking to Billy Crone, I was talking to uh, uh, Tom Hughes, and um, I was picking their brains, and I asked them, I go, what do you think the next wave that's coming to the church? I said, the church w w was uh, separated because of the shutdowns. That was, that was a big test. And we know now who didn't pass the test with the churches. We know that, okay? Well, I go, what do you think the next test is going to be? For the church that separates the wheat from the chaff, that separates out Laodicea from Philadelphia, without a doubt, it's this whole transgender LGBT movement. That will be the next test. And it's not coming from San Francisco. It's coming from way higher. And it will, it will, the test will be, it will start out, do you think people are born this way? That, you, that people are born in the wrong body. You get what I'm saying? And it starts there, and it's going to move then to, well, can children determine their sexuality? Well, they're already saying that children can determine their sexuality by age two. I know that's crazy, right? But there's people out there that believe this ju junk, okay? But the pedophilers are going to make the argument, well, if you're saying that a child can make a decision at two years old of what sex they want to be, then they also then are old enough to make a decision on who they want to have sex with. Do you understand that? That's where it's going. And, 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 and that argument is already being made on the pedophilia level. Now, wait a second. What's the target then? The target is children. Okay? That's why they're grooming them in the high schools. That's why they're grooming them in the junior highs and elementary. Why do you think they're going after children? They want to sexualize children. Okay? So I think we're going past Sodom and Gomorrah. We're way past it. 
So the target is our children. So this is very nefarious. This is very evil. Why do you, th- let me ask you this. Why do you think all the elites are involved in pedophilia? Why do you think all the elites don't want to stop child sex trafficking? Why don't they want to stop it? Caviezel just makes a movie about it. But no, the, 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 you think the politicians are going to do anything about that? What about Jeffrey Epstein? How many politicians were involved in that, that pedophile ring, right? And he, he was suicided, so to speak, right? Guards were gone for three hours, the cameras went off, and all of a sudden he ends up dead, suicided. By the Clintons, probably. I don't know. That's the commentary. But, but, but why, what is this with the elites, with children? Why do the elites want to have sex with children? You get what I'm saying? I know this is a topic no one wants to talk about, but it's happening. You must understand what's at stake here. And that's why I think judgment will come if it's not stopped, if it's not pushed back on. So the idea is that we can't live in two worlds. And so now let me focus on Lot a little bit. Lot thinks that he can be a believer in Yahweh and have one foot in that world and one foot in Sodom. And it doesn't work. That's what worldly believers do. So think about the world, the kingdom that we're in. We're in the mystery kingdom right now. We're not in the full-fledged physical kingdom. We're in the mystery kingdom where God rules in the hearts of believers right now in the church age. And what is the characteristics of living in this, in this mystery kingdom? Well, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Messiah for the abundant spiritual life. Notice what I say, abundant spiritual life, not material life. So that's that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what Lot's supposed to be doing versus the world system. And what is the world system? Temporary pleasure, possessing things that are off limits, worldly security, seeking a life of comfort, seeking popularity, seeking status, desiring power, desiring to be rich, doing what makes one feel good, being the arbitrator of right and wrong and worldly success, etc. That's what Satan is offering to even the believer. And a lot of the church has bought into that. They want to have their best life now. And they think the abundant life is a material life, whereas the abundant life is a spiritual life. And they're confu- they've confused the two. This is what Lot is after. This is what he wants. He loves the world. Okay? So now, now let's go back to the story and let's see what happens. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Now, again, he doesn't know they're angels, okay? And he said, here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. Typical hospitality, and a lot offers it, as that world would do. But he still doesn't know who these are. He doesn't know they're two angelic figures. He just, when an angel appears, not a, not a cherubim or a seraph, when an angel, a messenger, category three angel, sorry, they're not called angels. Um, they're called messengers. When you get to category three, messengers always look like young men, like in their 20s, okay? And they do not have wings. Only seraphs and cherubs have wings. So messenger angels, that's the wrong term, sorry. Angel means messenger. But these angels always appear as young men, okay? Now, think about that. Young men showing up, which would be, they would be totally handsome, okay? 
because they're, they're angels. They don't, have, they don't have physical defects. So when they manifest physically, they're going to look like very handsome young men. I wonder how that corresponds with the sodomites. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay, thank you. So he offers hospitality. And they said, no, no. Notice that. They won't accept his hospitality. But we will spend the night in the open square. Now, why do they refuse the hospitality? It's a test to Lot. It's a test for him of whether or not he will go the extra mile to protect these two because Lot already knows the kind of conditions in Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and Lot, are you really going to leave these guys out there on the city street when, when they refuse it to go into your house? But he insisted strongly, well, good. There's the mixture of this worldliness, but a, a good part of him as a believer saying, no, 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 you can't stay there. But it shows the hypocrisy. It shows the hypocrisy in Lot. You're the mayor. And you know that the city gate and staying in the city square is dangerous for two young men. Why don't you clean it up? You're the mayor. You're on the city council. You see the hypocrisy here? He knows it's evil even though he's in charge of the city. Wow. So they turned to him and entered the ha- his house. So that, now they finally accept it. It was a test for him. Then he made them a feast and baked them unleavened bread and they ate. Notice that there's something wrong with his feast. When Abraham prepared bread for God and the two angels, they let it rise. But Lot doesn't, and he feeds them unleavened bread. So that means he's doing it in haste. It means that he's not giving the full, the full hospitality as he should, and why? Why is he not doing that? Why is he not letting the bread rise and giving them unleavened bread? Hmm, there's something about this. Unleavened bread, when you have leaven in the bread, it's used for sin. It's a it's connotation for sin. Leaven in the loaf. Okay, so sin and leaven are connected to each other. Okay? So, in some weird, ironic way, Lot prepares them bread missing that has no sin and and the idea is it is an ironic statement that lot has sin in himself and that's why he cannot even even fellowship with god but he makes unleavened bread which is the opposite it's an ironic thing he should be serving them regular bread with leaven in it because that's how he is but he does the opposite of how he should be and, and so there's, there, a lot of commentators will note this is an ironic thing for him to do. It's out of character because he's fully immersed in sin. So anyway, now before they lay down, notice the, uh, the, the Hebrew, the double entendres. It's the word sakab, lay down. It also means to lie down sexually. So now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, and that's a merism, which means everybody generationally, young and old. So it's, it's pervasive among the ages. It's just not the young people. It's young and old. The whole generation is doing this, okay? All, which is a Hebrew word, kol, means totality, everything. 
the people from every quarter, uh, Kazet, as even the border or the outskirts or to the last man surrounded the house. Do you get the picture? There is no one excluded from what they're doing in Sodom and Gomorrah. There's no one. So Moses is trying to say, even to the last man on the outskirts of the city, everybody has come and wants to do this to these angels, even though they don't know they're angels. What is it trying to tell you? It's pervasive. It's among everybody. Everyone approves of it. It's the idea. It's the concept. Okay. And they called the lot and said to him, where are the men who came? Again, they don't know they're angels. And again, Moses throws in the word bow. And bow has a sexual connotation, a double entendre. It means to come on somebody and have sex with them. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Now, the word, Hebrew word is yada. Yada is the same word for Adam had yada with Eve and they bore Cain. So yada is a word for sex. So you can't get past this. It is homosexual sex. That's where we get the word sodomy, okay? Is what they want with the two young men, okay? But there's something added to this. It's a mob gang rape is what they want. It's a mob wanting to have their way with these two guys. And they'll pass them around through all of them until they're done with them, is the concept. Uh, again, the mob mentality is like when you see Antifa, right? That mob mentality. So this is on a whole scale of, of wicked evil, okay? And they still don't know they're angels. So Sodom, let's talk about Sodom's strange flesh. Bear with me, because I'm going to go through this very quickly. But I want to point out 18 things, and then I want to relate them to current events. So how does this start? Well, Romans gives us a theological answer. Now, the thing about it is, I'm not talking about an individual. Please, understand me. Of, uh, 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 I'm not talking about an individual who gets trapped in the homosexual or lesbian life. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a society. I'm on that level. Please understand. There are multiple, multiple reasons why people go into the homosexual or lesbian lifestyle. Multiple on an individual level. But I step back and I'm, I'm trying to talk from a societal level. And Romans 1 is a picture of why a society goes into that, okay? Not an individual, but a society. So they suppress the truth and worship the creation rather than the creator. That's the first thing. They don't honor God. They don't worship God. So when the society stops worshiping God, they will start worshiping themselves or any part of creation. Second, what happens then when a society does this, they go stupid. They take a stupid pill and they swallow it and they go stupid. Now you're like, what are you using the word stupid? Because the biblical word is foolishness. But the foolishness, people don't, they think that's like a, a court jester. But the better way to translate foolishness is being stupid. Stupid is different than dumb. Dumb is having a low IQ. Stupid is being a moron, okay? And I can't, I can't split it any other way. There's only one way to define that. So what happens is you decide to start worshiping the creation, you go moronic. You go stupid. Huh, I wonder if that explains a lot of what's going on. Yeah, Ooh, yikes. 
then what happens is their hearts lose all comprehension. Okay, they just don't comprehend anything anymore. The heart is the center of belief, so they don't comprehend anything anymore, truth and reality, and they believe in an alternative reality. That's what Romans 1 is saying. They go actually, because they, their hearts go dark and their minds go stupid, they go into another reality. That's what Paul's trying to say. Now, let, let me ask you this. Are people out of reality right now? Well, yeah, because when you, when you believe the CDC that says men can chest feed and take pills to lactate, That's what we're talking about. That's what we're saying. This is how you go stupid. This is what we have a Supreme Court justice that can't define a woman. She went stupid. She's because of Romans 1. She can't define a woman. It proved that God had given over to their vile passions. That's what Romans 1 says. He gives them over to it. Okay, that's true. It was accompanied by other vile sins, unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness. These are all coming from the Apostle Paul. Backbiters, haters of God, violent. They were violent because they were mob, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. That's true. Uh, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy. All these things, Paul says, will accompany this. It will all accompany it. Is that a picture of society? Yes. It was pervasively practiced, both young and old, it says. It was practiced multi-generationally. It just wasn't one generation. It had developed into homosexual mobs wanting to gang rape the angels, as you can see in this text. They openly flaunted it. Their sins were not concealed. They weren't hiding this. this, this they all had come out. It was def defended by the citizens. In verse 9, we'll see it was defended by them, what their actions were. It was well known for this reputation it had spread to all the cities of the plain, so it was like a cancer. In our world, it spread to all parts of the globe. Okay, it went, In that region, it was five cities. Today, it's global. They committed adultery along with it. Well, that makes sense, because when you go into sexual immorality, it inevitably means you're going to commit adultery, because many married people will do it, too. And they habitually lied. Uh, I... Have we seen that? Habitual liars? Yeah, okay. They, de they devolved into hostility, mob violence. Have we seen that? Yes. Sin was openly encouraged, which it is now. The evil and the criminals were supported by the inhabitants. No justice. Oh, that sounds like our legal system. We support the criminals, not the victims. Huh. They wouldn't repent. It's very obvious. And lastly, they were suddenly destroyed as they went about their daily life with any regard for their sin. And Jesus notes that. And he goes, so will be the, son, the coming of the Son of Man. They will go about their daily life and then he will come and basically take their church in the rapture. So all those 18 things are markers. Now, let's bridge it to current events. This is the new flag. Notice on the flag it has the white, pink, and blue. The brown and black sense for black lives matter and brown lives matter, okay? So they've thrown those things in there. But the pink and blue is concerning to me because the pink represents little girls and the light blue represents little boys and the white represents the purity of having sex with either a child, male or female. And they've added that to the flag. So... The pedophilers are totally involved in this movement, okay? Now, again, 
Is the movement coming from San Francisco? No. The movement is coming from higher up. Okay? So these are the, this is a picture of what Sodom and Gomorrah looks like. These are the gay parades that you probably see, right? And they, they flaunt themselves, right? It, and what I'm showing you is pictures from all over the world. Why am I doing that? To show you that it's global. It is global. It's not just America. It's global now. Uh, these are pictures from all over the world. They're not from the United States. There's Canada with Trudeau. And there's Israel. No one is immune from this. You understand? Tel Aviv, they're, they're petitioning Tel Aviv to be the gay capital of the world, not San Francisco. They want Tel Aviv to be the gay capital. I find that ironic. You're going to put the gay capital of the world in the Holy Land, in Tel Aviv. Isn't that interesting? But again, what's the messaging? Global. It's global now. It's not limited to the United States. And so, again, now, now I'm going to show you who's behind all of this. So obviously, Joe Biden, he's a puppet on a string, as you know. I, it's weekend at Bernie's with this guy. I don't even think the guy's alive anymore. <laughs> not to be mean, but my gosh, you kids can't just keep uh, injecting him with, with, I don't know, steroids or whatever they're doing to keep him alive uh, and, and just keep prancing him out there. So I think eventually Gavin Newsom's going to try to take his place. You watch. watch. Anyway, that's another story. But it's coming from our White House, right? Here's a proclamation. This came from March 30th, 2023, this last year. Proclamation of Transgender Day of Visibility. We have went now from gay marriage to transgenderism. You understand? Okay? Now, this is from the same guy that wants to consider blocking the sun to slow global warming. You understand, we're dealing with stupidity here. By the way, this came up in a Simpson cartoon, and it's now being practiced by Joe Biden wanting to block the sun. Yeah, isn't that crazy? You can't make this stuff up. It was on the Simpsons. And Joe Biden now has said, we've got to block the sun. <laughs> Professing themselves to be wise to become fools. Okay, here's the tweets. Now, I want you to do some investigation with me. Look at where the tweets are coming from. Is it coming out of San Francisco? Department of State, Justice Department, Transportation Government, U.S. Department of Education, U.S. Department of Energy, U.S. Department of Labor, Department of Agriculture, uh, this is coming from the military, United States, uh, I can't remember SOC, I where's my army guys? Uh, but it's coming out of the army. And then the army puts out this display, uh, you saw, you can't make this up, U.S. Army celebrates trans major Rachel Jones journey from depression to authenticity, I can't even pronounce it today, authenticity. Authenticity. There we go. I need more caffeine, man. Celebrate. I mean, this is the army. Why, why do you think the army is having a recruiting problem? I don't know. Now watch this. This is our health secretary. Hello. My name is Admiral Rachel Levine. 
and I have the honor of being the Assistant Secretary for Health at the United States Department of Health and Human Services. Happy Pride. Happy Pride Month. And actually, let's declare it a summer of pride. Happy Summer of Pride. It's so important to have pride as a celebration for our LGBTQI plus community and to recognize how far we have come, but also how much work we have left to do. How far we have come, how much more work we have to do. Yes, that's right, because you're going to include the pedophiles at some point. CDC encourages biological men to chest feed infants by taking some type of drug that, so that men can start lactating. You can't make this up. The CDC, yeah, don't trust them anymore. I couldn't trust them with the vaccines, that's for sure, because they wanted to kill everybody. And now they're saying, take this pill, guys, and you can lactate and chest feed. Are you out of your mind? Yeah, that's Romans 1. Largest teachers union in the U.S. blasted promoting pornographic kids book. Dissolve the, dissolve the teachers union is the call. That's right. There's, but again, is this San Francisco or is this the teachers union? What did I just show you? Governmental entities pushing the agenda, not San Francisco. I wonder why. Let's move on. Now I move to the corporations. Not only is the government pushing the agenda, but the corporations are pushing the agenda, not San Francisco. So, PetSmart, dress your turtle up in pride. Dress your, your squirrel or whatever you have in your house. Shop the new pride collections for small pets, reptiles. What am I going to do with a snake? What am I going to do with a, a chameleon or a fish? What are you talking about, PetSmart? Sesame Street. It is, right? Sesame Street, gone. Look at Sesame Street. Bud Light, you know this, right? Tanking billions of dollars in losses. But their Bud Light's not afraid. Budweiser's not afraid because someone has told them, it's okay, sacrifice in the short term because in the long term, we'll make you the monopoly. That's why they're not afraid to lose money. Adidas, dressing up a dude in a girl's swimsuit. Target, trans people will always exist. Tuck-friendly crotch, thoughtfully fit on multiple body types, gender expressions. Target, as you know. Target teamed up with a Satanist to design the clothes. Satan respects pronouns. Tampon brand, CEO calls customers menstruators instead of women want to be gender-inclusive brand. I don't know how you include women with tam uh, sorry men in tampons. I don't understand that. Are we, are we now Romans 1? Disney promoting it. Dodgers promoting it. But check this out. Most Americans are opposed to businesses promoting LGBT pride propaganda. 63%. Now, I thought in the old days when you want to make a buck, if you have a company, you want to make a profit. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that to your customers, right? If 63% if of your customers don't, don't, don't jive with this, you, don't, you back off. But no, no, they double down. They double down. Why? Why are they doubling down and losing money at the same time? You have to answer that question. Because they have been told in the back room, 
We're going to push this agenda on Western society. Who? Who is doing that? You, you now make a point of that's, a, that's an investment criteria for you. Well, behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're, going to, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors, and at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. Uh, 54% of the incoming class are women. We, we added four more points in terms of diverse uh, employment this year. And it, if it, it, you know, what we are doing internally is if you don't achieve these levels of impact, it, your compensation could be impacted, okay? We're doing the same thing. And so it's just, it, you have to force behaviors. And if you don't force behaviors, whether it's gender or race or just any way you want to say the composition of your team, you're going to be impacted. And that's not just not recruiting. It is development, as Ken said. And ultimately, it's still going to take time. But I am just as much shocked as Ken is that we have not seen more opportunities. And we're going to have to force change. You just heard it. You just heard it. That's Larry Fink. BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street. Largest investment firms, I think BlackRock owns about $20 trillion. They own most of the companies around the world. When Larry Fink tells the company, you will push this, they do it. Otherwise, he threatens them to devalue their stock. Okay? This is why Disney, this is why Budweiser, Coors, Adidas, Nike, all of them are slicing their own throats right now because Larry Fink says, if you don't do this, I will put you completely out of business. But don't worry, you're going to take your loss because in the end, I will create a monopoly for you and we'll put everyone that doesn't comply with these things right here. ESG, diversity, equity, inclusion scores, they will be out of business and you will be the sole business monopoly in the end. So it, what I'm telling you, Larry Fink, it, it, Larry Fink's telling them, you will have the most money at the end of this. Take a step back. Take a step back. I just showed you the government's involvement. Now I showed you the corporation's. Ah, oh, now you got the picture. The globalist, the elites, the World Economic Forum, the Klaus Schwab's of the world, the Bill Gates, they're the ones pushing this agenda, not San Francisco. So why would the globalist partner, obviously, with the politicians and the corporations to push an agenda that is antithetical to Christianity? What's the answer? They are pushing Sodom and Gomorrah on the entire world to get rid of Christianity. And they're doing it what we call in the political realm corporate fascism. The combination of the government working with corporations to push an agenda to destroy Christianity. That's what's happening right now. And no one sees it. But let me relate it to the Bible. Revelation 18. 
when you look at the Babylonian system, it's a three-legged stool. And what, what are the three legs? The kings of the earth, the politicians, the governments, the merchants of the earth, the corporations, all will fornicate with the whore of Babylon, the religious, demonic, satanic religion that is pushing itself on this world through ESG, DEI. That's the religion right there that they're pushing. It's the whore of Babylon. And what is the whore of Babylon? The whore of Babylon is a counterfeit religious system created by Satan and man that started in in Genesis chapter 11 and is now coming back on the scene and it will not tolerate biblical values. It will not coexist with biblical values. And therefore, it wants to crush us. Crush us. Either make us compromise or become a non-citizen. Nigel Farage just got eliminated by banking in the UK, by his own bank. And he went to nine other banks and they wouldn't bank with him because his ESG score, his DEI score was no good. And so he, ca- he has no banking system because of his values. Do you understand what's at foot here? This is Sodom and Gomorrah on steroids. This is Sodom and Gomorrah 2.0 because it's global and it's happening all around the globe. What's, your take, what's our takeaway? Because I've got to stop here. I'm running out of time. and we could, We're going to continue this conversation. The next test, like I, I believe too, with Tom and Billy and talking with them and talking to other prophecy guys, I believe the next test for the church will be this transgender, the LGBT is already part of it, but the transgender pedophilia uh, thing that's coming to all of us. And whether or not the church will go ESG, DEI. And if, if the church will go ESG, DEI, it will continue to allow it to, be, to flourish. But the remnant church will have to separate from this and say No. That's unbiblical. There are only two genders. We're not going to do this to children. We're not going to allow the pedophiles to do this. So what I'm trying to tell you is you better get ready to take your stand. It's not just simply you saying this is wrong. You have to fight against the Babylonian movement. This is the whore. And she means business. And I'm gearing you up for this to realize a fight is coming to your door. A fight that you need to be spiritually prepared for. It's not going away. When you see the next passage, they're banging on Lot's door. Let us in. And right now, they're banging on the church's door. Let us in. So we can have our way. We are going to have to be Christians and a church that says, we're keeping the door shut. We're not going to let that in. We're not going to let it infiltrate the church we, and, and, and here's the thing, you will pay a price. You will pay a price for this. Whether you're demonetized, whether you can't bank, whatever, they're going to do it to you economically because the merchants and the, and the, and the politicians or the kings of the earth are working together now. There is no way out. So my thing is, you better get prepared to fight. 
you better get prepared to take your stands because it's coming. Can you take your stand? Yes, of course. With Christ's strength, you can do all things. You were, you were, you're here for such a time as this. Don't be afraid. Get your strength and courage from the Lord and do what you need to do. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we can learn. Um, even in this first little part of Genesis 19, Father, we realize the fight's on. We realize what's happening. We have to, uh, Lord, help us to have grace and mercy and love at the same time as we reach out to people to try to get them out of this lifestyle, but understand what the corporations and the, and, the, and the governments of the world are trying to do to us and help us take a stand against that. Father, our kids are at stake. We see it right now. They're after our kids. They do it in the schools. They're grooming them. And Father, we need the strength from you to fight spiritually, to fight this battle. Help us to take our stand. Help us not to back down. Help us to not be cowards. Help us to not compromise, Father, in these last days. And Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't know your son, today would be the day of salvation, that the offer is always on the table. If someone will believe that Christ and who he is and what he did on that cross and dying for their sins was buried and rose on the third day and offers eternal life to anyone who believes, may they do so today, Father. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.